0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of Volley. We're rounding out the year here. And as always, I'm Carolyn April, and I'm looking for my friend Seth Robinson. Seth?
1: Hey. It How is do? the end of the year, isn't it?
0: I know, I know. I was thinking that. It's just winding down here.
1: It is, yeah.
0: Uh, it is. Work's winding down, and we'll be, the holidays will be over before you know it, it seems. Only a week away, right? Or so. Right. Uh, yeah.
1: How much do you have on your work checklist to get through the end of the year?
0: I, I have a a big project that I'm working on, but I don't, I, you know, I'm going to hopefully get as much of that done as possible before the end of the year. But I've managed, and I'm going to pat myself on the back to really check off any um, odds and ends. You know how those always creep up on you at the end of the year, and I think I've got all of that cleared off my to do list. So all I have to do is really focus on this writing that I'm working on. Yeah. Yeah. So that's got me psyched. I hate having to have like five, six different little niggling things to deal with for the end of the year. Now I have a million other things going on in my life, but yeah, I'm in pretty good shape there. Yeah,
1: that's (laughs) why I I limited it to a a work discussion. I figured you, (laughs) like me, we both have a few different balls in the air. So
0: Yeah, my uh, daughters, uh, we're driving up to University of Vermont later today to pick her up. Um, She's got to come home for winter break. Could not get a ride this time. It's a three and a half hour ride, three hours, fifteen minutes, and she's been pretty fortunate of late when she's had to go back and forth that she's got one friend with a car who's been willing to drive her. Uh, not not so much uh, luck with that for this pickup. So I've got to get in the car and make the journey up there to land of single digit temperatures right now.
1: Well, as long as it doesn't snow when you get stuck.
0: Yeah, it's a really pretty ride, but um, you're right. I I checked the forecast, though. It doesn't look like it's going to be snowing, so it's just
1: cold. Good.
0: I think it reaches a point where it's almost too cold to snow. That's why I noticed the ideal snow temperature is more like in the 20s and 30s and not in single digits.
1: Yeah, Yeah. we're going to warm up, I think, over the weekend, so I don't think we're going to get snow here either. Um, But then... Final week of the year, so yeah, I think we wanted to do a little bit of a look back. Uh, we did this last year too. We kind of did a look back, and then when our outlook came out, we did a little look forward. So I think we've got three different things that we have talked about. Uh, we've t- touched on all of them uh, in to some degree uh, in in volley podcasts this year. But just as we're ro- looking back, I think there are these three big trends that have happened in the world of technology. Uh, So I'll kick off the first one here. I I think the one that really picked up steam at the end of the year is the reputation of technology. I think there were incidents throughout the year, uh, whether it was things going on with Uber or different security breaches that happened uh, or things related to last year's election and some of the technology companies' potential role in that. Mm -hmm. All of these little things were kind of adding up, and as it got to the end of the year, it really felt like people took a step back and said, the technology industry is kind of a young industry. It's not as old as like the oil industry or, you know, even the, the communications industry uh, or transportation. And so it, it hasn't had a chance to go through some of these growing pains, understand what the right kind of regulations look like uh, and and what the best kind of behavior should be. Uh, and so you see a lot of things coming out saying, you know, that Silicon Valley is not concerned with the greater good, or they're they're really focused on the specs of their technology and this hardcore belief that technology is going to make things right. But they've got a little bit of tunnel vision, and they don't always see some of the potential repercussions. And so I think that will be a really interesting thing going into next year to see how the industry in general responds to this, whether it's through better engineering or better regulation or self-regulation uh, or whatever it might be, because I think that the attitude toward tech is shifting a little bit. We realize that we're addicted to it and we're stuck with it, um, but we don't always like everything that it's doing to us.
0: Yeah, no, I would agree. Um, I think that that New York Times article I shared is, is, is spot on in that I think that there is a uh, there is a growing attitude about the tech industry, you know, calling it big tech, for instance, that seems to be the catchphrase, like you would say big pharma or big oil, whatever. But it, 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 I think that there's a level there's this is partly it's a maturity of the industry it's starting to mature. And then in the more it matures, the more it loses its kind of vanguard, cutting edge reputation, so to speak, not helped by the fact that there have been some incidents over the course of the year uh, that have been a bit of a blight on the reputation of the tech industry, and uh, I think it is going to be a big issue moving into next year and the year beyond to see where uh, you know we've been we've been in this industry for years, decades, you know, and and uh, to see where um, where it lands compared with some of the more established, been around forever industries in terms of the reputation among the public and. I think even things like yesterday's vote on net neutrality, and I know we talked about that in our last podcast, but it, it, this will be a big test if you're, you know, watching what ISPs decide to do now that they can, if, you know, they are going to go ahead and make a bunch of changes that are going to uh, benefit some and, and not others, and that will be another ding to, I think, technology's reputation. Um, so that's one thing I think we need to watch next year, and it will reinforce this new look at the tech industry is all about or maybe it will maybe all these isps will do the right thing you know in my eyes this is my opinion of course uh and we we won't see um discrepancies in how they decide to deal with different customers
1: i think the involvement of the consumer is what makes the the questions within the tech industry so much different than than they are in other industries so if you think about like a big oil or a big pharma government steps in to regulate those industries, and the the regulations that they put in place, their their end goal is protecting the consumer, typically from price gouging, uh, yep. or safety issues, or something like that. With technology, um, th- that's not the issue. You know, people aren't outside of some of the net neutrality stuff that you worry about. Exactly, are you going to pay for more content or whatever? we're generally using a lot of free services. And the issue so much isn't we're worried that this person, this company, is going to gouge us on price or, or do something like that. It's this company, because of their integration with society, has kind of this sway. And, and so we're not trying to protect the consumers in the same way that we were trying to protect them with previous regulations. Uh, consumers are enjoying these services uh, but they, they have some concerns that, that somehow need to be addressed. And I think that is what makes this such an interesting thing. And so you're not going to just apply the same regulations that you've applied in the past. Um, and, and you're not going to approach the problem the same way, whether it's regulatory or whether it's um, how we as a trade industry might speak on behalf of the industry and the type of education that we might be trying to put out. Um, a lot of this is more around comfort level and what technology can and can't do and how to keep yourself safe as a consumer uh, and, and watch out for your data and privacy. So I, I think that's what makes it such an interesting conundrum without a lot of obvious answers.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think what, you know, there's always a problem, I think, and I think some people are really worried about this, that so few companies... Pretty much own the market right now, and we as consumers are all dependent on them. They're they're in, they're weaved into the fabric of our lives. The Googles, the Facebooks, the Apples, the, you know, you name it. We've talked about this before. How what it was the first time ever that five technology companies were, um, were uh, at the top of the of the list of, um, market cap. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think that, that can, that's daunting when you think about it, and it puts a lot of onus on the on the consumer, the little you and me to try to make sure that we're protecting ourselves all the time. And I think that can be anxiety producing. Uh, and I know it is for me, it's just wondering, you know, it's between passwords and wondering who's collecting what about me and then see, you know, you're, you're, you're browsing the web. And obviously you're seeing all the ads pop up that totally relate to your life. So, you know, you're being, you know, you know that you're being watched and or, you know, monitored at all times in terms of what you do. mean, I'll give you an example my, uh, my husband's birthday was a couple weeks ago, and he bought himself a Google Home. Good for him, but now it's in my house, and it's scaring me. <laughs> it really is, because it's always on unless you unplug it, and it's recording everything. I don't know what it's doing with what it's recording. I mean, it's it's you know mundane stuff. Listening to if anyone wants to listen, what's going on here in this house, but um, but still, I think that's an example of uh, how different the, the tech industry is, the kinds of things you need to worry about versus. Like you mentioned, some of the more standard industries where it's about um, like physical safety. You know, the auto industry has to be regulated in some ways, and you know, manufacturing plants have to be regulated in some ways. But, uh, but yeah, these are these are are these are issues that affect everybody uh, because the ubiquity of technology and our reliance on it now has gotten is just skyrocketed.
1: Right, and and you're absolutely right about. The consumer awareness needing to be so much greater. Like you, you and I don't have to think too hard about putting gas in our car and, and what exactly we're supposed to be doing there. You know, we just pull up, we say, "Oh, geez," you know, price jumped 10 cents from yesterday, and then we stick the nozzle in and away we go. Um, but but with technology, it's much more complex, and and a lot of that has trickled down to us. Uh, and then again, as these large companies are building new types of monopolies, not so much monopoly over a supply chain, but non- monopoly over an attention span, uh, yes. then then things are going to get looked at in a new light. Um, you
0: know, I think there's going to be a backlash, a bit of it. I think there, there are going to be more people who attempt to disconnect as much as possible. Um, you saw the executive who formerly worked at, uh, was it Facebook, who was talking about, he wrote a, wrote a, an op-ed piece about social media and how it's you know it's not a good thing necessarily and it's, it's having a detrimental effect on society That could be debated over and over. Um, but um, I think that I think there's a bit of a reckoning that's coming. We're seeing a lot of reckonings this year. I had to throw that word in there because um, we'll, we'll talk about all the reckonings that are going on in the, uh, the hashtag MeToo movement and all the you know bad behavior by men. And I can tie that into the tech industry because uh, a lot of that um, we've seen from Silicon Valley and and I'll segue here because I think one of the other things that has led to a bad reputation for big tech uh, are things like that Google engineer who earlier this year wrote the screed about men and women and the differences uh, in how they work and think and biologically are and the impact on that in working in a tech job. Uh, was not particularly favorable to females, for instance. And I don't think that that burnished the reputation of Silicon Valley, and it certainly uh, upholded it as kind of the old boys club. Um, and I think that is one of the things that is not um, helping in terms of making sure that the tech industry's reputation remains in good graces.
1: Right. So, So go ahead and talk a little bit more about the... Me Too initiative and or campaign or whatever it would be called. Because I, I think that's a, a second major thing that we've, yeah. we've seen this year.
0: Yeah, I've been talking with other people about, like, what do you think is going to be the Time Magazine story of the year? And uh, I think this one um, is right up there as a possibility. It's been pretty astonishing, right? So not this is beyond the tech industry, but, I mean, it seems like every day I'm like, okay, who am I going to be reading about today? From my perspective – as a woman, this is so not new. Uh, it's just finally coming out from the shadows. And that's refreshing to me and also depressing at the same time that, first of all, this has been going on forever. I've been in the workforce for, you know, I don't want to say how long, but uh, I've seen it, I've experienced it, and uh, to a certain extent. And finally, people are talking. Now, I think what needs to happen is we need to have women talking who are not when it's not when it doesn't have to do with the you know the high profile people in the you know in the entertainment industry or in the government um I you know that's all well and good but when we finally see women in rank and file jobs um at you know regular old companies who are willing to come up and speak and this is much harder for these people much harder because they won't get a front page story Um, they're not going to get a, a, you know, a high profile attorney to take their case. And, and, but when that starts happening and when men start waking up and I, I hope that that's the big result of all of this is that guys start waking up to, yeah, you know, um, you are making the workplace hostile and you don't, maybe you don't realize it. And it's very subtle little things. Sometimes it's not, it doesn't have to be these awful things that you're reading about. It's very very subtle things um i'm doing a i'm doing a study on uh diversity in high tech right now and i've been reading a ton and and this is diversity meaning racial diversity but also um also gender diversity and been are reading a a ton about why women are not going into uh high-tech careers in the tech industry and one of the things this is really interesting i read an article yesterday from the wall street journal about um how some tech companies put how, what, how they write their job postings, like what their requirements are, and they they use verbiage like doing any do, doing anything, uh, doing it tackling to the to the most uh, the very macho kind of. And I I'm losing it here in terms of uh, what they said, but it was like you know anything it takes we'll do we'll stay and do anything it takes like all kinds of language like that that go into. The job requirements when they put a posting up, and those are such turnoffs to women. Not that women won't do anything it takes, but it's it's a very subtle little thing um, that says to a woman, many women, uh, this may not be the place for me. So there's overt, awful uh, sexual harassment and assault, and um, assault being a crime. Um, but then there's there's very subtle other kind of institutionalized types of bias. Uh, that go on in organizations and i you know i'm i'm hoping that this me too movement really just brings that to light and changes workplaces
1: yeah i um i think it's interesting that you describe it uh in in this conversation and in the time that we described it before that you said you know this isn't anything new to you and i know in our conversation before i had said it's kind of new to me and i'm a little ashamed of that and uh you know wish i had understood it a little bit better you know earlier on um, but I think that leads into different people's feeling of what this movement meant through the year. So you mentioned that this could be a story of the year, and it actually was who Time named as their person of the year. They called it the silence breakers that are involved in you know, this Me Too movement, sharing their stories. And I was talking with someone that kind of felt like that didn't resonate with them quite as deeply. Like uh, they, they thought there were some other candidates that um, might have been a little bit better. And I replied and said that actually that would have been my choice. That of all the stories that you know Time had on its short list, that was the one that probably opened my eyes the most uh, and made me look around, you know, the workplace uh, and personal life and the entertainment space and just everywhere, uh, and and see these things that we've all grown up with. Um, And haven't necessarily recognized, well, the reason that we have it this way is because we started out from this point and and people didn't feel free to express their opinion or follow a career or whatever. And and so we we fell into this pattern. Uh, And some of those are much more harmful than others, but there are a lot of patterns out there uh, that I'm now seeing in a new light. And so for me personally, um, and I think for a lot of men, uh, this has been helpful and maybe very late in coming, but that's what made it such a big story you know, through the year. And I think for for women, you can speak to this better than I can, but it, it has sort of increased that, at least the possibility, that things could change and that you're not going to be shut out and your, your voice will be heard. And I know that we've said within CompTIA here that, that we've kind of addressed this and, and made sure that we make our position really well known to all of the employees. And uh, I think that feels good to everyone to kind of know what environment they're in and that certain things aren't going to be tolerated. And hopefully more and more environments become that way.
0: Yeah, I hope so. Um, I really do. Yes, CompTIA has been very clear and and, uh, I'm very grateful for that uh, in terms of uh, how they feel about this particular thing. But, you know, I hope that this now begins to permeate all industries. And, um, I'm glad to see that you, uh, had a bit of a wake up call. Not that you're a perpetrator in any way, Seth, but you're, you, uh, you know, I I think that there are the guys that just truly don't see what women have been seeing as quite obvious for some time. And, uh, I think we all have a role here and you're right. That was the, I forgot that that was the lead story, um, four times story of the year. I'm curious. Was the person you were talking to who thought other candidates should uh, should have been the story of the year a man or a
1: woman? It was a woman. Interesting. Yep. That's, that's and great. and so again, I think it didn't resonate with that person in the same way that it did with me. You know, for this person, it was a little more obvious, almost like with you. Like, yep, this this has been happening, and I'm glad that this is happening in a new way now. But uh, right. you know, there's nothing nothing too new here. But you've seen. I mean, there have been a lot of stories of. Uh, like Stephen Colbert, and uh, there was the director of, of documentaries just this week that kind of came out and said, "Again, shame on shame on me, shame on us for for not realizing this, uh, how how rampant this was, uh, any sooner than we did." All right.
0: Well, I think uh, going forward, we'll, uh, this this will be a big story next year as well, and we'll see. Uh, we'll hopefully see some change. That's all I can say.
1: Yeah, so the last one I wanted to bring up, uh, we touched on it a little bit uh, earlier when we were talking about technology's reputation, but it's it's the complexity of technology. Uh, when I was looking back at the year, I thought of a lot of smaller stories that have kind of risen towards the top of the pile, like uh, the rise of artificial intelligence, or other different emerging technologies that there are, or the ways that people are partnering in order to build technology solutions. And I think kind of undergirding all of those stories is this fact that technology, as much as it has some abstract elements to it and it can become user friendly, on the back end it's, it's becoming very complex and you've got a lot more moving pieces. Uh, you've got things being added to the technology stack and you've got parts of the technology stack that are drastically changing. Uh, and, and so I, I see technology growing very rapidly in complexity. And there's, there's not as much appreciation that that complexity is growing because it's been abstracted and because some things seem to have a simple user interface or whatever. And so there's this gap growing between the desire to use all of this complex technology and the uh, willingness to put in the resources or invest properly or purchase the right types of tools or really even understand what the components of the system should be in order to achieve automation or better customer data or whatever that end goal might be. Uh, So really interested to see how that changes going forward. I know that uh, both on the IT pro side here and the traditional channel side or or the collection of companies now that's helping to deliver and enable technology solutions, um, I think there's going to be different issues for both of those groups to wrestle with.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I think that the whole abstraction part of this, which is we've talked about a lot when it comes to cloud computing, how customers are now things are so easy for them—at least seemingly easy. Well, they are easy for the customer uh, in many cases, but what's going on in the back end is increasingly complex. Um, speaking for the channel audience out there, in, though, which I follow pretty closely, I think that they're struggling a bit with this, uh, and you know, it, it, it involves um, new skill sets. It involves um, being able to communicate to the customer in some ways, you know, that uh, it, educate them, I guess, a little bit better about what all the moving parts happen to be. Uh, I think it's going to require a lot of re-education going on within the channel and within the IT pro space, as you mentioned, uh, because we, it's not just the emerging technology like you talked about. It is um, how things... Are, have to be integrated today, how things are coming from uh, different providers, different clouds, public, private, and, um, and then you've got the, the thirst among end customers for some of the emerging technologies that you've been writing about. And quite frankly, there are lots of providers out there, channel providers and IT pros that don't know anything about how best to use those technologies, how to use those technologies. So they've got to get up to speed. I feel like there's gonna be a gap here between when um, the technology providers or implementers really can do things uh, the way that they would implement some traditional technology today and, and when they can do them the way that they do those today. I think there's going to be a gap where it's going to be a difficult process, kind of like we went through with you know, e- big ERP packages and CRM packages back 10 plus years ago. And those were so complex to implement. And I I think there was only, you know, it was a limited number of providers that could actually do the job, um, especially within the channel. And I think I'm seeing on the horizon the same sort of problem that's going to happen here, where there's going to be a time to get up to speed. And what happens during that time getting up to speed uh, is what we'll be able to, what we're going to have to kind of keep our eye on.
1: You mentioned emerging technology, and I gave my spiel on that last time, uh, but the the one technology that I think is going to rise to the top here as it relates to increased complexity is artificial intelligence. I think that artificial intelligence is more than just a new tool that can be used. Many of the emerging technologies that, that we're going to be exploring in the coming year are, are going to line up In that category and they're going to be here's another tool and and here's how it might be integrated I think artificial intelligence is broader than that I think there's implications on the software side and the hardware side and the bottom line comes down to this is how we manage the complexity whether you're an IT professional or a channel provider and you're trying to manage these things and build these systems and your team isn't growing so you need some way to do it or even if you're an end user and you've got a ton of passwords to manage, and you've got all these information flows, and how is it going to be curated, and where might you want some contextual awareness, it's going to come in there as well to help manage that that feeling of being overwhelmed by the technology that we're trying to deal with. Uh, so that that's one that I'm really feeling is going to separate from the pack of emerging technology, and probably require some of its own discussion that I think there are a lot of interesting, you know, implications of, of using artificial intelligence because not everyone's going to build their own. Um, and then you have to know what it is that you're getting into when when you when you pick up these AI pieces. So um, really interested to see how people respond to that. Really interested to see how people build their teams um, and so what do they do internally and where what do they want those core competencies to be and then where are they looking for third-party support and how much third-party support are they looking for is it not just a single provider anymore that can kind of be a jack of all trades but are they going to start finding more specialists that can focus on data analysis or security or whatever it might be uh, so I, I think those are some things that could start happening as a result of all of this complexity getting into the system.
0: Yeah, I mean, on, on the plus side, complexity means opportunity. And, you know, I'll leave it at that. But, if, I mean, if you can, as a channel provider, as an IT pro, as, any, as anyone who, a vendor, a distributor, if you're able to rise to the top in terms of sorting out the complexity for your customers, that's a differentiator. You're going to be the go-to person, so I think that there's a positive. Whenever there's a you know a thorny problem to solve, if you're the expert who can do that, you know there's the money maker for you. So I, I think that that's one positive takeaway. And hopefully, um, looking ahead to 2018, that's where people will be pointing their compass to get into specialties that help customers deal with this complexity. Because you're spot on, Seth, that that's exactly what's going on.
1: Well, that's probably a good place to end on a positive note. We've got those three big trends, the reputation of technology, the, the Me Too movement, and the complexity of technology. And, and that's kind of what we saw as we looked back over the previous year. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how those inform some of the predictions and, and guesses that we're going to make about the upcoming year. But we'll save that for one of our new volleys of the new year.
0: Yeah, I, we, I, this is it, right? We don't do another volley till January.
1: That's right. Yep, wow. this is the last one. So,
0: well, it's been a good year. I've loved doing volley this year with you. I'm hoping that you have a great holidays. I'll talk to you, of course, before then. But um, it's. Uh, I think we've uh, we've covered a lot of ground this year, so that's good.
1: Yeah, I definitely enjoy our conversations, and uh, hopefully. That helpful to people we get some good feedback always loving to hear more feedback so if you want to give us a review on itunes or just shoot us a note and, and say anything about the podcast we'd love to consider it for next year um, but it has been a lot of fun and i'm glad that we stuck through it for the whole year mm-hmm. you have safe travels up to burlington today
0: so much. yep i'll be leaving in a little while but uh thank you and uh you have a great weekend
1: all right we'll talk to you soon
0: cheers